What's up, everybody? Welcome to the X Podcast. So good to be with my guys. Russ, Tim, how you doing, man? Great. Doing well. We just watched the uh, inauguration. Yeah. Watched the inauguration today. It is inauguration day. Um, And I don't even really want to talk about politics today. After our last week. Me neither. If you want political uh, talk, you can go back to our last podcast. We talked about Jesus in America, which is always a fun conversation. Obviously, Jesus is just one party and not. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody was just like, amen. 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 Absolutely. No, I'm just kidding. But go back and listen to it. We hope that it's a good conversation just to hear how we process. Um, And you get to hear who Pastor Tim voted for. Yes. Not so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I can't remember the socialist candidate. So, so, full disclosure, at this table, we are all (laughs) pastors. All of us, every single one of us. Some of us are taller than the other ones. Yeah. Um, some of us preach really good. Um, we preach well. <laughs> that's, are you going to talk about you guys at all? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Just you? Tall and good preacher. Um, but we got an email response in from our last uh, podcast I just love to share. And it, this was a, it's actually a great email complimenting our podcast last week, but uh, I think I said anytime I get an email, I send it around to you guys, and um, it happens all the time. But there's this one from a guy that goes to our church we love, and he's a great dude. And he said, "My first instinct when I heard or when or when I heard we are taking the pastor hat off because that's what we said at the beginning of our last yeah. episode. It's like we're going to take our pastor hat that. off for a second. He said, "My first instinct when I heard that was, um, well, what's left when you do that?" <laughs> <laughs> and he went on to write a nice email, but. That statement was just kind of funny. Right? Yeah, it was yeah. a little jarring. I was mm-hmm. like, "Wait, what do you mean by that? <laughs> when, you, when you take off, what was it again? When you take said, off your pastor hat, well, then what's left? Right, right, right. Well, what do you have left? Or, or like, what left when you did that? It's kind of. I'm just trying to figure out the meaning. What's of What's left when you do that? Yeah, yeah, like, I, yeah. I think my first reaction was, well, hopefully a lot. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, you know, one day I do you believe have been in... trying to mean what left you when you put your hat, pastor hat down. That yeah. could be a translation of it. Yeah, that's true. I was like, well, Russ, Russ is left. <laughs> Russ is left? Yeah. And, you know, when I, and, I mean, I believe in heaven. Definitely less I, holy than Pastor Russ. Yeah. Right, yeah. And when I get to heaven one day, I'm not going to be a pastor. So, I mean, hopefully there's a be. whole lot left yeah. than just that one I think role. That, I think what was in, I think I know what. I think what I understand what he was trying to say, and I, the rest of the comment and email was nice. So oh yeah, it, it's, it's great. great. I think it was just it's it was a uh, kind of a little bit, you know, it just it, when you see that and you're on the other end, you're kind of startling. You're like, well, there's more to me than just Pastor Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think that just kind of just gets gets me thinking like. What is it that people, how people see pastors mm-hmm. yeah. that just is it? It seems different. It's like. If you're a pastor, I, I mean, again, I've been doing this for 17 years. And so when you when you feel like when you're a pastor, I think there's incredible things that go along with being a pastor. Uh, I love it. I feel like it's my life's calling. It's what I plan to do for the rest of my life as long as I, I can do this, as long as I'm physically able to do it. Yeah. And God wants me to, and my wife will put up with it. Um, but, yeah. you know, I do think that it kind of speaks to sometimes a traditional thought or idea about pastors um, that, you know, I think when you only encounter your pastor at church, and I understand that, like our church is a decent size, like we're not all connected with everybody. And so, you know, you hear them or you see them on the platform or hear them preach that you get a perception of them that is pastor. And if they want to be anything different or i'm saying if there's another side to them it's hard to even see that well I, I and i think that's what maybe we can talk about today is is expectations maybe that have been put on mm-hmm. the church or even people with pastor titles um and we just it's oftentimes we'll read books on staff or or just talk about ministry and uh, and how to navigate doing what we do and dealing with people on a spiritual level, especially with how many people maybe have been hurt by a church, hurt by mm-hmm. a pastor. And maybe we can talk about some of the stereotypes, you know, that go along with this type of role, 
Because here's what we know, too, in business, in life. I mean, we are not the only profession that there's stereotypes, sure. you know, mm-hmm. that, that get stereotyped in culture in a negative way. You know, you think – I think about my dad. My dad um, has, you know, sold cars for a long time, and he's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you bought cars off him. Does he have your car today? He does. Yeah, he has your, your dad has today. my car right now. Yeah, but, I mean, and, and strives to do it with just such integrity and just the whole mm-hmm. uh, process. But – People who, for example, sell cars, they're not looked at like they have, there's definitely a stereotype for a car salesman. Right. I just watched Matilda the other day, and I was joking about it with my dad. And the dad, Matilda's dad, is a used car salesman, you know. And, and <laughs> that term cars, alone buy, just yeah, carries some connotation, right? Buying mm-hmm. all these lemons and reselling them to people for a profit. And so there's mm-hmm. that. My point is, is that there's expectations, or I'm sorry, stereotypes. Is what I meant to say, in a lot of different professions, but. Obviously, our context is is unique in the way that we just deal spiritual matters, mm-hmm. and that people, whatever their background is, come with a certain perception of who a pastor should be, yeah. even how much money they should make, mm-hmm. what kind of car they should drive, yep. mm-hmm. um, and what kind of life they should lead based on what they've heard on the fringe, or or that doesn't seem like it would be biblical whether or not they've investigated what it looks like to be a leader in the church. So I just wonder if you guys had any preliminary thoughts before we dive into some stuff um i think i've i've felt the uh, and sometimes intended sometimes unintended uh pressure and sometimes it could just be my own but intended pressure of that like there's um you know that you have to live up to a certain thing that the pastor's family has to act a certain way mm-hmm. that um you know that that the I, I i've i've run into all of that the you know what does the pastor drive um, just, just all these different things. And a lot of times what I guess my thoughts are on this, and, and let me just say this up front, like all of us are in ministry because we've chosen to do that with our lives. We right. felt a call from God to, to give our lives in serving others. And so in, in this, just in the same way that I think some people feel like their passion, or maybe, I don't know if it'd be a God given call, but it could be politics or could be whatever. And, and they may want to do that serving in the military yep. as we you know they feel like it's a service i'm serving even though they get paid and even though they do a job they still feel like i'm in a i'm in a role where i'm going to serve others so all of us have let me just preface this and say we've all willingly chosen this and yeah. this is not like i don't want this isn't like we started talking about this because we were just kind of like kind of laughing about just like that phrase that comment and yet talking about the the expectations We've all chosen this. It's a great honor. Right. Uh, I, I think there's so many great things about being in ministry and being a pastor. I love it. Wouldn't change anything. Yep. However, I do think that there is a misconstrued um, ideas of and expectations of what a pastor should be, who they should be, what they shouldn't be, what they shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will just say this uh, to throw it out. I think in a lot of uh, a lot of times there's a real double standard. That there's, you know, again, you know, you can be a Christ follower. I'm not in ministry. I work in business, you know, that you can do a lot of different things. Maybe, you know, you, you like to have your hand in a lot of different things. You know, it's like I go work at this office job, but I'm also over here creating this because I got an idea for a product. I want to do this. And, and, and that is like celebrated, right? Or you go, I, I want to one day start my own business so I can create a, a business where we can hire people, we can employ people, we can help families, we can do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's celebrated. I will say that if a pastor decided that he wanted to create a product because he had some idea of a revolutionary product, which, by the way, I've been trying to think of ideas for 20 years. I just look at people who <laughs> go on Shark Tank, and they, they come up with some you know product that just revolutionized the world and, and turns into this multimillion-dollar company that's I'd like, I want to create a product mm-hmm. like that. I haven't come up with the winning product yet come up with a few ideas none of them are good enough but i'm just saying like that that idea of i feel like there's a, a little bit of like a double standard what would be celebrated in anybody's life that they would do if a pastor would say hey i'm in the ministry but i'm coming up with a product and i hope that one day this product could probably turn into a company that could actually employ people and hire people right. i think people would look at it and go well, why are you doing that right. you shouldn't be doing well, that you need to focus idea. on the ministry you should not be focusing on business so and maybe you can speak more to it russ but like the whole idea of suffering hmm. for the gospel hmm. you know and i think that uh, maybe there's been some people that have heard that and hmm. have projected that onto um 
onto maybe people in pastoral roles that that the role is to suffer. And I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts. Yeah, I think a lot of it too depends on if, if you were raised in church, what your church background is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were, we have a lot of people I know in this context of the Midwest that are from a Catholic background that come in. Mm-hmm. So if you're from a Catholic background and come in, it's funny, even, even with singleness, if, if you go to a Protestant church, you probably expect the, the leader to be married if in Catholic church, probably expect them to be celibate. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's what, honestly, I came from that background. And the number one question I get from people I used to go to church with were like, oh, you're a pastor and you're married? You're married. <laughs> <laughs> so you have that and then certain church backgrounds being overly prosperous or affluential or driving a really expensive car, mm-hmm. uh, that's a sign that you're really blessed. Whereas in other circles, and depending on your church background you come from, uh, wait, why would the pastor drive a nice car? Mm-hmm. And it's almost, yeah, you're right. It's almost like this. there's these two ditches of like the, the a prosperity gospel and a poverty gospel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even if people don't know how to name that, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times people kind of fall into one of those two ditches of thinking of either um, maybe the real sign that they're, they're a, a man of God, a woman of God, is that they're driving a Lamborghini and they have a jet. Or if they were really godly, they would be dirt poor and yeah. they'd be living in a shack. And but a, why is a it so uncomfortable? Like, why is it so uncomfortable to have that conversation? Hmm. You know? I mean, I, I think about there's pastors that I follow, <laughs> just all sorts of different, you know. Yeah people doing this and he thinks his calling is to or it senses his calling from god it is to pastor millionaires and billionaires hmm. business leaders amen where can we get that's, in on that I mean, that's I what should, i feel like I my calling is too but i haven't it just hasn't i can probably say much, his name because he says it i mean his name's keith Kraft, and he's like six foot hmm. six and he pastors down in frisco texas and hmm. he drives lambo and hmm. does all those things and uh, has a what looks like a great thriving church um hmm. I you know, bet. It's I only have well. two Lamborghinis. Right. Which, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't have enough. Red and the black a Ferrari has a Ferrari or something right. like that, I should say. But, you know, so I find myself wrestling in with that, um, with attention. What I more reject is the idea that, um, that whatever a pastor ever would choose to do or whatever lead their life towards, mm-hmm. whatever they choose, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Because that's, in my mind, in the air. Right. Um, in Christianity, at least modern days, like people, I don't think have a have a uh, have an ideal as far as what they would want their pastor to mm-hmm. be or do. Yeah. I mean, because you, what's I think, what if a pastor were to be blessed by God, mm-hmm. okay, um, with the entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. and also blessed with the um, discipline to keep track of a checkbook mm-hmm. and to be wise with their money, like the Bible, like Scripture calls us to do. I think about mm-hmm. the parable of the talents even when it comes to investment and, mm-hmm. and making money work. That's a scriptural principle. Mm-hmm. And uh, should they not be allowed to have something nice because it makes you uncomfortable? Right. No, it's a great it's a big, it's a big topic. Um, and I think there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Again, there's this. It could be just a theological misunderstanding that to, there there should be guilt and shame attached with blessing, mm. and that if a person living for God, especially if they're a leader, that if they're not walking, if if they're walking in too much blessing, mm-hmm. that's a sign of worldliness or sin mm. or greed. When it may just be a sign of what you just described. Actually, maybe they've just walked out of life that God has blessed. Right. Or there are people that sometimes people will judge and say, man, why wouldn't they give that all the way, give that all the way to the poor? Mm-hmm. When really generosity is not, a, is not a matter of how much you give. It's a matter of the percentage you give. Mm-hmm. They may give a whole lot more percentage than you would ever give. Mm-hmm. And the thing that you see them wearing that you think is expensive may be a gift that just someone bought them. Yeah. And so I think p- part of it could be mi- theological misunderstandings. Part of it could be we project on other people our own insecurities. Yeah. So um, not to take us to another rabbit trail, but I-, I think part of it is if I'm ever not able to celebrate right. somebody else's success, like when, when, if, if I see you kill it at something or if you start a side business, or you, I'm just I'm going to be the first one cheering you on. Exactly. I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I heard someone say one time, though, that if – you feel insignificant, the quickest way to popularity or to make yourself feel better is hate. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you see someone, if you feel insignificant about yourself, 
and you see someone, especially maybe this uh, a spiritual leader, uh, one of the quickest ways if you don't watch your own motivations is, man, I'm going to tear them down because why should they be allowed to enjoy that kind of blessing? Oh, what's sad to me is that that's so rampant, I think, in modern church culture too. Mm-hmm. You have entire, you know, you guys have probably seen them. I'm sure a lot of our listeners hasn't, haven't seen these Instagram accounts, but there's an entire Instagram following to this. Mm. I'm not even going to name their names because yeah. I have such distaste for it. But they uh, they will research where certain pastors who have huge followings. I mean, I'm talking mm-hmm. international, hugely popular uh, pastors have a lot of influence. They'll research where they got their jacket, mm-hmm. where they got their shoes, where they got something, and they'll put the price tag on it. You know, and put to shame them. To for, shame them. Yeah. It's and, and their, their whole thing is is should a pastor really be wearing this? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I I think that's a horrendous, um, I don't know, fad or or way of looking at it. You don't know who who got something as a gift. If so, so should you like should, if somebody buys you a nice pair of shoes, should you reject them because you're a pastor? No. Absolutely not. Well, it depends what size they are. It depends on whether or not I and like just for them. for anybody just, listening, I also won't reject them. Right. So yeah, you, size 11, most yeah, pairs work, work great. And half, yeah. 11s. I mean, but um, I, no, I, <laughs> I, I think, um, I think it's, I think it's hard. So one of the things that we just were talking about is dealing with expectations um, that just don't, they're, they're not, I don't, I want to say this to sound like, what was me, but they're, they're just, they're, I want to say unfair expectations that a lot of times are carried, I think, from from your upbringing, from, like we said, from whatever church culture that maybe you've been around mm-hmm. or you've seen. And I think the hardest thing is when it comes to money, when it comes to um, having stuff, you know, the house you live in, the car you drive, whatever, I think one of the hardest things that, and, and that's been – I've seen in our culture that is ugly that I don't like and I've seen it like accounts like you're referring to is to me the thing that matters more than how much money someone has or what their drive or any of that stuff is really the the motive of their heart what what mm-hmm. how they're living their life right, like the fruit of like their the, life the, right yeah. the fruit of their life not not what they're driving because as you said I mean there's so many different things I mean you you, you have no idea the the story that of that person's, mm-hmm. you know, life. I mean, they, they could, they could have been driving a 15 year old car so that they could save up for 13 years, you know, mm-hmm. and go buy this truck they've always wanted or whatever, you know, I'm right. just picking out scenarios. I have no idea, but yeah. I mean, you could, they could do that because there's something that they've always wanted. And then the moment they're driving that mm-hmm. new truck, then, you know, there's this, I that can't believe that. that. I can't believe right. that. You know, they drive that. They they must only be into money. They must be only into, you know, prosperity gospel preaching at that church. They must be only that stuff. And it's just, it just creates some unrealistic expectations yeah. for pastors to yeah. try to live and operate under the scrutiny that comes with being, you know, in that seat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't, you don't know me. You don't know what matters to me. Mm-hmm. You might go and spend all your money on whatever, X, Y, Z. I might go, that's the only thing that I really like to invest my money in mm-hmm. or spend my money on, and that's what I spend my money on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I'm being faithful with what God's giving me financially, mm-hmm. I do believe that he'll bless it. Yeah, absolutely. And well, I've seen and that. Like, and that's, yeah. I think there's several questions. And I don't believe that just for pastors. That's for no, everybody. Anyone. I mean, that's, if you are yeah. faithful with what God's absolutely. Put, faithful with little, you can be you know, he'll trust you with more. Yeah. I, and I think just think several things. If, if you fall into that camp where you're constantly critiquing how someone should live in that way, I think a few questions to ask is maybe it's what you're hinting at is, well, where is the line? Mm-hmm. Like what, yeah. what, what's the line? Like who decides what is blessed, but not too blessed. Yeah. What you can enjoy. And I think the second thing you got to ask yourself, I think wisdom and humility would always make you think, I don't know how I would respond it until or if I was ever entrusted with that. Mm-hmm. Like for the per, for the uh, even like with millionaires, I try to never think to myself, "Oh, if I had five million dollars, here's what I would do." I mm-hmm. don't know what I would do, mm-hmm. other than the way that I'm currently stewarding my money would be a good indicator mm-hmm. of what I would do yeah. yep. at that point. But exactly. I don't know. Right. And and the third thing is, I think like whether someone's in ministry or whether you're, and, and I get it. I think part of this, what we're talking about is the expectations and standards of a leader, which yes, we believe 
should be high. Yeah, right. But at the same time, for me, I'm always um, – I, I, I love one of my former mentors. He used to always say, Russ, I have enough trouble keeping up with the man in the mirror. Right. And you know what? Like, it is enough trouble keeping up with Russ. I don't have the energy to take on how Pastor Tim should spend his money or what kind of car he should drive. And I just think it's interesting when people do. Yeah, I think it, it almost speaks to a huge level of mistrust mm-hmm. with people in people who've existed in pastoral roles in their life. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where I, you know, I've been around people who have, you know, we are not exempt from this. I mean, I would say that, Pastor Tim, you both are probably some of the most, <laughs> you more so, I know. What? You're oh, so no. frugal. Stop. You know I mean? Why do you got to say that? Because you are just, you I are. mean, just the most frugal. I mean, that's frugal as me, but. And it's actually irritating to me sometimes. <laughs> it is. so frugal. <laughs> not, okay. I mean, you're sending me messages about, you know, we're, we're yeah. buying some signage for something around the building. He's like, well, uh, <laughs> you can actually buy half of that and <laughs> save some money there and do that. And on like a Saturday morning, I'm like, dude, I'm, you know, watching mm. the news or something. But uh, <laughs> you are seriously, yeah. you know, your favorite food's frozen pizza. <laughs> it's not my favorite, but I'll eat it. Uh, but I like it. I haven't had any in it is your favorite. three weeks. It is your favorite. But I'm hungry. My, but people would come and I think just out of a distrust for the that position in their life, they'll come in and say, "Oh, well, that church only." And they, I've heard people direct things at you about money and how we spend. It's like, oh, if you're mad at him, and I honestly <laughs> feel this, if you can look at uh, Tim Moore and say, "Oh, that he's you know just prosperity preacher and all he cares about getting rich," <laughs> it's like, "Oh, you don't know him at no. all." But it almost I think is indication of. Uh, how much that the people in our position have um, mm-hmm. have really earned that distrust in many ways because mm-hmm. you have seen pastors who abuse money, abuse and, money, and who have stolen and who have spoken on behalf of God in certain mm-hmm. in certain ways. So, I just, well, how do then, you go about that? How do you go about navigating that? That because that exists, I think, in the church. I think like so. There's the two sides of it. There's the expectation, which is the side of the people on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then there's the stewardship, which is the job of us that are going to be critiqued. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, who was a church planner in the New Testament, had this phrase. He said, everything is permissible, mm-hmm. but not everything is beneficial. So I think one of the tensions probably leaders and pastors deal with is, in the way I live my life, how do I be true to myself? Mm-hmm. How do I not live in fear of the opinions of people? Mm-hmm. How do I feel zero guilt of any way God chooses to bless me mm-hmm. and entrust me and that it's not evil to have good things. Mm-hmm. At the same time, when you're in ministry, and really when you, and I believe as a follower of Jesus, when you surrender your life to Jesus anyways, right. my life's no longer about me. Mm-hmm. And uh, my goal should be, the tension comes in, the goal should also be not just to what's best for me and how do I live for me, but how do I be myself, be okay with the way God's blessed me, but at the same time, be sensitive that my biggest passion is to serve other people well mm-hmm. and that I want to live above reproach where I can. Yes. I, want to, I want to do nothing to put a stumbling block. And so for me, I, if, you know, if I had, right now I have a couple million, but if I had. That's it. That's it. But if I had. <laughs> One day you'll catch up to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. Everybody <laughs> watching. But let's say I had $5 million. I would love to think. Not that there'd be anything wrong with this. Again, I'm, I'm doing what I said I wouldn't do. Say, well, if I were there, here's what I would do. I'm not saying that. But I would like to think that here in Central Ohio and Canal Winchester, in our context, because context matters too. Sure. Though a lifestyle of a pastor, not morally, but just lifestyle mm-hmm. uh, in, in Miami is going to look different than a pastor in Central Ohio. Mm-hmm. But I would like to think that I would have the self-control. I'm not really a car guy anyways, but just as an example, I would like to think I'd have the self-control not to drive a Lamborghini. Not because there would be anything wrong or Porsche. not, or Porsche, maybe Porsche. No Porsche. Um, actually, but like I, a really I would, nice. I Toyota. would drive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but you see what I'm saying? Like like that would be permissible. But if my biggest goal is not to live for myself, but to live for other people, here in this context, it may not be beneficial. Right. And yeah, so I, I don't know about that. I feel like a Porsche <laughs> would be beneficial. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would like an Audi. I would like it. I had one and frozen pizza in a Porsche. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's fair. I do. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Too. I think it's interesting because you you hear a lot prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel. Watch out for prosperity gospel. But I think maybe if not, just as uh, 
significant of a problem that exists in church culture today is maybe the opposite. Yeah. Maybe a poverty gospel. Yeah. Have you seen that? Have I seen the, the, that exist in the mm-hmm. church? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like that was the goal almost growing up uh, around church. You know, there, there is definitely, and, and I think this is a sad reality, we've connected a level of godliness or holiness to um, what people drive or what they live in or mm-hmm. what they wear. And to me, that that is just a perversion of the true gospel, no matter how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always kind of felt like just growing up around the church, that in the scrutiny of that, that it was that it's always kind of like, you know, you, you're trying to like you to find that line. It's like, I want to I want to this is nice. But if it looks too nice, then people are going to think something mm-hmm. about me. And I think that's one of the things that's that's challenging uh, for anybody that's in a role, a leadership role, specifically in ministry, is y- you know you end up trying to you end up trying to, to kind of find the this place where you can live and kind of enjoy you know some aspects of life mm-hmm. without somehow uh, feeling like that you. Um, I don't know. You're you're creating some image that is mm-hmm. going to cause somebody to to get yeah. mad, and you know all this stuff. And it, it's just it's kind of a ridiculous way to to live. Mm-hmm. And and I think you have to get to a point where you just go, you know, I'm going to do what I believe is responsible. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I think is honoring to the funds that God's entrusted me with. Yeah. And I do believe, though, I mean, I've, I've taught on, like, just to help people within our church, because I believe that there's scriptural concepts to this, but of, like, even just how to build wealth. I mean, mm-hmm. y- you can build wealth in a very godly way. Yes. And, and, and we kind of are, like, really Say against. Mm-hmm. There are, well, I mean, we're yeah. really against that, that. This whole poverty mindset, I'd say it's more of a poverty mindset a lot of times, is that, like, wealth is evil. Mm-hmm. That that having a, a lot, and and I understand like there's references Jesus makes to where there's the rich young man who who can't walk away from his money mm-hmm. right. to follow God, mm-hmm. and whenever it becomes a stumbling block, right? right? No one can serve two masters; either love one, hate the other, despise. You know, th- then it is absolutely a problem. Mm-hmm. But there's also all kinds of indication throughout all of the Bible of God just blessing people. In significant ways, financially. Well, Paul was wealthy. Paul There's so had many money. people. King David, Jacob, they I were mean, all wealthy. Solomon, Solomon, it's incredibly right. wealthy. Didn't ask for it, and mm-hmm. God blessed him with it. Yeah. I don't see anybody going. Right. Well, Solomon really shouldn't be living in a palace like that. It's, it's a great I point. Mean, I, I was with someone um, last week, and they're just asking just some, I guess, pastoral mentoring type questions, and almost just sheepishly, like ashamed, they said. Here's the other thing, too. Like, I don't know. You can tell they didn't want to say it. They're like, I, I actually, they're like, it's not that in a greedy way, but I have this desire that I want to make a lot of money so that, and I said, I'm going to stop you right there. I, I said, erase the guilt from that. Mm-hmm. Like, Paul warns about a desire for riches, but that's different than saying, I want to be the kind of conduit that God can, oh, so sorry. Can we edit that out? That God, that God can bless <laughs> no. so that, no, dang it. So that God can bless, so that I can actually be a blessing for others. Absolutely. Like that, I mean, that's the kind of thing. Um, that the motive. The motive What's matters. And, and you know what? We can, people can project any kind of motive they want. And they could, I mean, this person could be saying that even though they don't really have it. Well, that's not for us to judge. Right. That's yeah. the biggest thing we're talking about. Like, it's not for us to judge. Right. And I think God will honor the right motives. Right. Right. Um, exactly. in, in people's lives. And like, so it's just, I, I think it's, and I don't know, we've, we've talked a lot about money, but I just think there's a lot of expectations that there are just, they end up putting pastors. Here's what I've seen happen throughout the years is they end up putting and creating a model picture of a pastor. Yeah. They're like, here's Jesus. They're like there, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it may not be all the time perfect, but they're just close to it. And, um, and I think we've seen what that's done in church history when you put a pastor on a pedestal mm-hmm. and they become almost like, listen, don't worship your pastor. Your pastor's real. He's just like you. She's yeah. just like you. It's just someone who is in a position because yeah. they feel called to it, have made the decision. There's been an anointing there. There's been character there. 
that when you said, hey, when you're in a leader, you're held to a higher standard. I would argue that higher standards should be character. Right. It should not have anything to do with right. how much money they have or what they drive or any of those things. Mm -hmm. It should be the character that they have and how they manage everything. And and so I, I just I feel like that w when it comes to those that that perception, it, mm -hmm. it puts pastors into. Let me just say it this way: it can often put pastors into an impossible situation. Well, and I'll say this: I, I totally agree with that, and I feel the same way about a few different roles in our society. Have you heard it said before? Like, who would ever want to be the president of the United States? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. When it, you talk about my wife just said that the other day, she was like, "You could not pay me enough money to be in that seat." Who would ever want to do that job? Mm -hmm. And I think that that uh, as a country, we should be uh, aggrieved. At that fact, that that mm. is the way we look at the highest office, and because here's why: there's so much influence, and there's so much good that can be mm -hmm. done from that office, from that chair. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes it's our mistrust of people who've held the office mm -hmm. that will that will begin or initiate toxic thoughts in our mindset, in our culture that we just never check. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? We never go, oh, that maybe the way I'm talking about an office or a position. Mm -hmm is going to contribute to future unhealth. Mm -hmm. And I feel the same way about, um, the, about pastors in a way. Is I think often who would really ever want to do this job once they know yeah. what's, uh, what people would, would say about you and the lies people would spread about you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got, it's just incredible. I'm not going to reference any of the recent mm -hmm. ones that have been said about me or any of us, but all the time, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. and, and who would ever want to be in a position like this the way that certain people would talk about a pastor? Mm -hmm. And I would just suggest to people that are, are hearing us process this is that it, maybe there is – it's not just a double standard. It's a toxic standard. Mm -hmm. And maybe we should, for the future of the church, for the benefit of people who need to experience Jesus in the gospel, maybe us as Christians are tainting the way people look at um, at, at leaders of the faith mm -hmm. that they can trust and, and model their lives after. And that's not just pastors; that's leaders in the church staff. Mm -hmm. That's people who serve at churches. I think that um, maybe there's some toxicity there. There's some stats from the Barna Research Group uh, that I want to read, and we were sharing this in our text message. Just absolutely mind-blowing it says this there's 1500 clergy and that's people that work in church ministry leaving uh leaving the ministry every single month 61 percent of congregations have forced a pastor to leave 83 percent of clergy spouses want their spouse to leave the ministry that's a high number it's crazy <laughs> Um, 90% of clergy in all denominations will not stay in ministry long enough to reach the age of retirement. 50% of pastors indicated they would leave the ministry if they had another way of making a living. Wow. Um, 80% believe that pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. Many pastors, it says in this stat, many pastors' children do not attend church now because of what the church has done mm. to their parents. 33% of pastors state that being in ministry is an outright hazard to their family. How do you wow. process that? Wow. Um, I, I think we've seen a lot of, I've, I've been around and seen a lot of unhealthy situations. I'm grateful uh, for our church and for this environment that I don't feel like those stats um, for my family. I don't know. You guys, my wife. Maybe she's in that 83%. That's a big number. And, but I can also understand it. Mm -hmm. I can understand it because I think that there are some elements where I, I, you want to talk about these unrealistic perception and expectations put on pastors. A lot of times, I will say, based on some of those stats you just said, that that pressure, we think about the pastor. I want to say, let's think a little bit more about the pastor's spouse and their family. Because I, I think they sometimes probably feel the brunt of that more so than maybe even the pastor does. Mm -hmm. That a pastor's spouse has to deal with things that are said that aren't true, has to deal with the long hours, has mm -hmm. to deal with, you know, I, I read one stat that said like 80-some percent of pastors feel like they're on call 24-7. Um, you know, have to feel like they're competing with ministry for their spouse or for their family. Mm -hmm. And 
um, I, I think that that's a difficult, difficult bubble that staff um, or that uh, pastors, spouses, and their kids have to grow up. I, I think there's scrutiny. I mean, my kids have, have expressed before, you know, and, and I've heard from other people, you know, um, and I think that's one of the things that kind of it, it, it kind of gives them a little, makes them a little gun shy has with youth ministry and other things is because, you know, they just they, they feel kind of the pressure or have heard the comments. It's, oh, the pastor's daughter or this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And almost just it makes them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's like I, I it's the same thing as what we're talking about as a pastor. It's like I'm a person, too. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, I just want to be part of this and I want to experience it and I want to grow it. But when when you kind of have a moniker put over top of your life mm-hmm. because of this with some unrealistic expectations, mm-hmm. then, then they retreat. And, and, and you see it, unfortunately, like just even, um, I was just thinking of the book that our staff have been going through. Um, we gave Freedom out to them. No, the other one, Emotional Healthy Spirituality, spirituality yeah. um, by Peter Scazzaro. And mm-hmm. it just kind of tells this story as a pastor in New York city. And, um, he just basically tells the point of his wife, Jerry coming into him one day and she just said, I quit the church. Mm. And, and there was other things behind it, but th- there was just this, it was just that their marriage struggled, all kinds of stuff. They're doing great now. And the book really, it's, it's a great book and where, where it goes and what it speaks to. But I think it just kind of highlights the challenge of, of being in that kind of role, having that kind of visibility. Mm-hmm. A lot of times not wanted, like my wife, she's a serious introvert. She does not want to be on the platform. She, you know, with me, she doesn't, she would rather just kind of stay in the shadows. Like mm-hmm. she's really happy with doing that. Um, but you know, there's just some unrealistic expectations, mm-hmm. I think sometimes, and I think they feel it. And I feel like that's what some of those, those stats kind of speak to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so sad and it should, it should be the opposite if we think about it. But it, like you said, I just think it makes sense. I mean, you have, you have the perfect storm of, it is a role where a spiritual piece of it would be. The moment you step in to build the local church, there's a there's a target on your back, mm-hmm. and so the, this uh, and I know a bunch of us were part of this church plant in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, and there were some great things that came out of it. There was a lot of tragedy that came out of it, mm-hmm. and honestly, a lot of divorced families that came out of it. And I have personal friends that from early childhood felt called to ministry that once they saw that said, "I don't want any part of that," mm-hmm. and so the challenge. I think, you know, in, in trying to talk to them about it is like, look, it doesn't have to be like that, mm-hmm. A. But yes, in a way you're right. If you have a call to vocational ministry and you sit on the sidelines, you will be safer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exactly it, right. You will be safer. That doesn't mean that's what you should do or that you're ever going to be fulfilled. If that, Whatever you're called to do, whether you're anointed to be a teacher or law enforcement or, or a pastor, like you're stepping into it. But there is something specific on the calling of someone called to build the church, there, there's spiritual headwind that you're gonna yeah. that you're gonna face, and you're gonna have an attack. So that's the spiritual point of it. And then you, you add in the fact of the loneliness in any leadership mm-hmm. area, but the loneliness that the the higher you are in a in a leadership position, the more if you're not careful to surround yourself with community, mm-hmm. you can find yourself in isolation, mm-hmm. which is dangerous. Yep. Then other things can happen. Mm-hmm. You can find yourself in loneliness. So if you got the spiritual pressure, you got the pressure of people's lives, mm-hmm. you are always on call in a sense, especially if it's a pastoral role mm-hmm. in ministry. And then you add the loneliness to that. And then you add the um, unhealthy expectations. And I think one of the reasons we've been going through over the last couple of years as staff, whether it's ruthless elimination of hurry, or uh, emotional healthy spirituality or the freedom curriculum is we want to be a people that say, how do we do this in the healthy rhythms of Jesus? Because, you know, um, I was talking with someone else the other day on our staff that was like, Hey, you guys have been talking about Sabbath. All right, let's talk. I want to, I want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And this person specifically referenced the quote in Pete Scazzaro's book that says the, the soul that doesn't have Sabbath and rest does violence to themselves. Mm -hmm. So you have the perfect storm of spiritual attack, uh, the pressure and weight of people's lives and families. Mm. If you're not careful, the loneliness and isolation that can happen, the pressure of everything else. And then if you add on to that, the fact that you don't know, going back to a couple weeks ago, how to say no, how to have boundaries, how to have rest, mm-hmm. how to replenish. If you have an empty tank and you're isolated and alone, mm-hmm. and then you keep pouring out, eventually there's going to be a car wreck mm-hmm. so catastrophic, you're just going to leave the ministry. Yeah, I yeah. think that one thing I've observed, and I think I want for people the most personally, 
I'm not trying to say this is what you guys are intending, but I, I think there's people walk into a church expecting so much of the pastor. When I would say you are going to have a much more uh, delightful mm-hmm. spiritual experience, you're going to have a lighter spiritual experience, you are going to have a more profound spiritual experience if you think less of that pastor should instead of go, how can I posture my life in a way that I can be pastored? Right. Um, I think that one of the most interesting dynamics you feel is when p- you your intentions with somebody in their life is like, man, I just, I'm going to pour in you. I'm going to challenge you where I can. I'm going to pastor you in this way or that mm-hmm. way. And you can see that so many people throughout the um, hardships of life or their uh, the things they've, and we all have those things, have closed their hearts off to receiving any sort of pastoring mm-hmm. yeah. from anybody. Yeah. And so I think that sometimes, even if it's not intentional, it can be projected on the person on a stage or the person with, mm-hmm. with a microphone or the person yeah. that, oh, I, I think that pastor should have should be talking to this person here and there, mm-hmm. and I think that they're too antisocial or whatever. But like, I, maybe my heart would be, what would it look like to ask yourself, how can I posture my life in a way to be pastored? Mm-hmm. You know, That's and good. trust at the same time that whoever's in a pastoral position in your life has to answer to God for the way that they behave yeah. and yep. the way that they execute that mm-hmm. um, role that they're supposed to steward. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I, I think we would be surprised. Look, the way we live our lives and the hard work we put into our craft and the way that we plan all of that has a direct impact. And like you said, we'll be held accountable to God. But for someone that's coming into a church, I would actually say even more of their experience banks on the soil of their heart than the yes. seeds being sown. Yes. Uh, I'm just quoting scripture too much today. But Jesus <laughs> said, he who receives a prophet in my name receives a prophet's reward. Mm. And I've, it's fascinating to me. I will, I'll meet people that have... Um, been in church 30 or 40 years, and when they come, they come with the posture you just described. Mm-hmm. Full of joy, full of humility, full of, man, I cannot wait to receive. And they never walk away empty. Right. But then you'll know people that have been in church a quarter as long, but come when, come in with a, an eye to critique, a, I've already heard this and known this before, mm-hmm. kind of posture, kind of sit back, let's see, let's see what... Yeah. See what they have. I don't like and the way we'll, he talks, or that song was too long. Right. And then we'll go away to where they'll be fed. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you've been in church 90 years. If you're hungry, you'll be filled. Yes. That's, that's, a, that's a promise, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it actually depends way more on the posture and the heart of the way I come into church. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, um, very imperfectly, I've studied scripture my whole life. But I have never come into a place and sat on the edge of my seat ready to take notes saying, God, speak to me, and ever walked away disappointed. Right. Yeah. I've never walked into a worship place intent to say, I want to engage and connect with God in a meaningful way and walked away and thought, God, you disappointed me because that song sucked. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's profound. I think that um, just and what you said about I think it matters way less the pastor who's on the stage mm-hmm. than, yeah. like you said, the soul of your heart, the posture of your heart, and and that there's a the weight you spoke about as a like the very real and present weight of we will have to answer to God for mm-hmm. how we conduct oh, ourselves. Yeah. Like I don't know if you'd say this, uh, but that's that is very present oh, yeah. in my life all the time. Yeah. Sobering, very sobering, very real, um, and heavy at some points. But yeah. that's one of wondering if you yeah no i dad um i think that when when we talk about um just how i think one of the things i just want people to understand is that um pastors aren't any different than anybody who's going to church you know in in regards to you know um i don't i don't know they have a calling on their life they're trying to pursue jesus and i think that Give, one of the reasons why we actually even kind of the three of us had talked about starting this podcast was because we wanted to have an opportunity to try to, again, this is like like he was saying, when we say take the pastor hat off, we don't actually become different people. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to take my Christian hat off. And that. Right. We don't actually do that. And the reason why we say that 
is because of how people perceive us. Mm-hmm. Like we're saying that so we can go, hey, don't look at me right now through the lens of I'm expecting you to give me a message from the Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. Can you look at me like a person, mm-hmm. you know? Can you look at me like somebody that has uh, thoughts and that thinks about things just like you think about things when it comes to culture, when it comes to politics, when it comes to all these different things? Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's just... It, it, we in the church culture, I'm saying all of us in a combined, have done such a disservice of elevating pastors. I get the idea of honor. We, we believe in honor so much here in this church, and that's one of the reasons why we use titles and we use these things like this. Like, I believe so much in honor. We should honor people. Um, but we should never stick people into a place that they're going to fail. Right. Because if you elevate a pastor or somebody in that kind of spiritual authority to a place where they're standing side by side next to Jesus, they're never going to measure yeah. up. Yeah. And a lot of times what it does is it just puts a, a pressure on that pastor that is so intense that as you read from the stats that many of them are just going to leave. Yeah. They're just they're going to say it's not worth it. That's what they're yeah. going to say. I was going to serve and give and I wanted to until I found out that the sheep bite mm-hmm. a lot. Mm. Yeah. And the moment I find out the sheep bite, I was like, yeah, forget that. The sheep can be on their own. Yeah. And that's what, and that's sad because I feel like so many people, when you say 1,500 people, and again, I'm sure there's a lot of things that go into that number. And, but when you think about how many are leaving the ministry, and I think about this past year, and gosh, this was a hard year. There, I bet you that number is going to be higher when you look at 2020 and you oh, think yeah. about how much the pandemic and everything else that went on to this last year and how impossible of situations leaders, mm-hmm. I'm not just saying pastors, but I think leaders were put in. Mm-hmm. I think about our governor and I think about the doctor, Amy Acton, who was with him and getting death threats at home because she's simply just trying to, again, when no one knows anything, I just think about that's the sheep biting. And I'm mm-hmm. using that term in a church setting, but mm-hmm. um, that's what causes people to go. I'm out. Yep. It's not worth mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I give my life to you, God, but not in that regard. It's like I, I want to. I'll, I'll suffer for God until it gets to the point that's like I'm suffering for something that is not even making a difference mm-hmm. anymore yeah. because of this. And uh, and so I just say all that to again. I well to kind of just to open our minds mm-hmm. to understand that this kind of like double standard way of living, what I can celebrate in each other's lives within the church. Mm-hmm that I cannot celebrate in my pastor's life. Yes. Or he can't celebrate or she can't celebrate. It's like, I just, to be honest with you, be honest, I go on vacation, I never post pictures. Mm-hmm. If I post a picture when I'm on vacation, I just, if, call it whatever, perception, oh, there's a pastor sitting on the beach. Sure would be nice to sitting on the beach. Mm. We, we, I've heard it. We talked about this. What? This did. morning in the office about vacations. Traveling, traveling. Oh yeah, just just the idea. It's like if you want to travel, then it's kind of like, well, oh, look at you, want to tra- travel around the world. That's, well, maybe that's just what yeah. I enjoy. Like you might go enjoy doing this and spending all your money. I enjoy this, but that's another great. So that's I, another great on, on the money thing. That's another great um, kind of side note worth mentioning. Whenever you judge somebody over an area of their life where they spend money, is remember that almost everyone. If there's any kind of surplus, and sometimes even if there isn't a surplus, everybody has an area of life that is an interest to them that they spend more money on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you may look at someone and think, why in the world would you spend that amount of money on a shirt or jeans? Mm-hmm. But that might be their version of your golf, mm-hmm. yeah. where you'd spend extra money on sports, mm-hmm. or you'd spend extra money on whatever it you may golf be. golf twice a week everybody, and spend $80 so, at so, two so, courses, so and there's some people. There's some people that, that it, when they have expensive clothes or whatever, it may be vanity for them. There's some people that honestly, that's just their thing. They, they like enjoy it. fashion. They mm-hmm. actually enjoy clothes, mm-hmm. and they really don't care what anybody thinks. That's just their thing that they yeah. really enjoy. I yeah, I think I think this conversation almost deserves a part two. Mm-hmm. We're out of time for today, but yeah. um, I I think that that's the we might be the only ones that care about this conversation. <laughs> to be honest, no, with I don't you. think so because I <laughs> think. Honestly, this, it's just therapy this for is us something today. that we've all had to, yeah. I think, do. I mean, just because we're pastors, we haven't always been, mm-hmm. you know. And so there's there's times along the way, there's instances along the way where we've had to do this work ourselves. And in our experience, and when it comes to following Jesus, building mm-hmm. a relationship with God, mm-hmm. and seeing it come to fruition in the world, that, that the most incredible experiences that I've had is when, I just like the theme of that conversation, the soil of my heart has been Gosh, 
I don't want you to take one vacation. I want you to take four vacations, yes. and I'll pay for one of them yes. as my leader, as someone who gives his life to sow into me. Mm. And that's the that's yeah. the posture that that's I, rare. That I that think, attitude you just mentioned. Yeah, someone is rare. I've only please come pay that. for me in no. my <laughs> vacation. No, uh, my I've only is, come across that a few times. I'll be honest is, with you. My point is, is what would it world. look like if we built this culture mm-hmm. in not just our church context here, but when we celebrate each other's wins, mm-hmm. when we're not comparing ourselves not just to the pastor mm-hmm. or comparing ourselves to the person who sits to our left and our right or the person who has that situation or this mm-hmm. situation, we celebrated each other's wins in our context mm-hmm. and we contributed to them is that I want because you know me I want you to win more I want to cheerlead your life I want to celebrate when God blesses you and God makes a way when God Mm -hmm. answers a prayer Mm -hmm. those things are all things that will make your life maybe not monetarily but feel more prosperous and I want that for you and so I think that's what this conversation is is an opportunity for us maybe to undo unthink the way that we look at people in pastoral roles Mm -hmm. for our own good, for the good of the church, for the people who are the next generation, the people Mm -hmm. who are are crawling right now or in diapers who one day are going to experience the people uh, as they pastor, as as they lead. They're going to experience the culture that we left behind. And so what are you going to leave behind? Yep. And I want my culture to be one of generosity, of giving, of, of having the benefit of the doubt, um, and having it delight in God, um, and one that will really change the future of the church. So thank you guys. I think there's a part two to this. Oh, yeah, I got other things that we could bring up. This is therapy. I need, <laughs> I need moments like this. So you, everybody else can And just to with. echo what you said earlier, like one of the reasons that I, we do this, we, we were talking about this, is that it's been incredible to hear the feedback of people saying, I love how much this has made me think. I love how much this has challenged yeah. me. But in our context of a church, the one thing I've heard more than anything is we love this because it gives us an opportunity to get to know some of the pastors at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. So I would even just uh, say thank you for allowing us to be honest and process yes. this because like you said, hopefully none of this is taken as complaint. I, the, yeah. I'm honestly not saying this. Um, just to say, I can't believe I get to do this. Yeah, this is the same. honor of my life. It is. I mean, so to anybody listening that is in our church, like, thank you for exactly. allowing us to be that in your life. Yeah. yeah, so good. I love it. Send us another email. We'd love to talk oh, about it. Oh, I bet it. people have some comments on this one. <laughs> I'd love to talk about it. Don't judge my $500 yeah. shirt. Yeah, so I bet people I have some comments on this one. So Our next couple episodes are going to be answering How emails. can they send us an email? You can send us an email, <laughs> podcast at the X dot church. Leave mm-hmm. a comment on our YouTube or or make sure you subscribe to all our channels. But thank you, every single person who does. Yeah. We yeah. appreciate you. And I thought that, and, and to go back to that, the, the guy sent a compliment. We were just kind of picking. We were just kind of picking on one part of it. Was kind of yeah. like, wait, what does that mean? That, you know. And but so, if you send us an email, we will dissect it and use <laughs> we, what we can. We to like talk it about though. It, so. We we do. I I appreciate him sending that, and I give us an opportunity to talk about it yep so we hope your uh this podcast finds you well share it like it review it yeah, help review. appreciate all the support it's been really cool to see our family grow every time we're somewhere we talk to somebody who has listened to it and we hope these conversations benefit your life the way you look at god the way you look at the church the way you look at the people around you be blessed bye